Welcome everyone, it's Nathan here. Well, oh well, I'm so excited about this episode. I had such a wonderful conversation with my guest, Jackie Dominic, who is a nurse of many decades of experience. She's the head of nursing for a hospital in the UK here. And we talk about leadership and how to support staff in difficult times. We cover so many different topics uh, around leadership and it was just such a pleasure to hear Jackie's principles and philosophy that guide her leadership and enable her to be a strong leader that is able to face adversity and lead with a sense of kind of courage, strength, but also the, how she is so driven by compassion and, and connectedness and leading from the heart, it seems like to me. The conversation is littered with practical takeaways that anyone who is a nurse leader or an aspiring nurse leader can listen to and, and, and draw things out of this and think about your own practice and what you're doing when you're working with your colleagues and other staff and perhaps think about changes you might want, want to make. I think Jackie's approach to leadership is clearly conducive to enhancing the overall well-being of the teams that she works in, the teams that she supports, and overall the organisation. So there is much to be learned here, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think Jackie and I have a lot of similarities in, in our approach, our philosophy around leadership, even though we come from different disciplines. So this call was actually a, a live podcast episode that was advertised to our free Nurse Wellbeing Mission community members. If you'd be interested in joining one of these calls, we hold them as special events every now and then with a live Q&A, then head over to our website and sign up at nursewellbeingmission.com. There's plenty of exciting events planned throughout 2023 and these are entirely free for you to attend. And also, why not head over there and check out the learning content that we have on our website now. So we've got a bunch of free courses to help better prepare you for the emotionally challenging work that you may be doing as a nurse or midwife. And we've got a bunch of other resources on our website too. So head over to nursewellbeingmission.com to find those. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation about coaching and leadership with Jackie Dominic. Welcome to the Nurse Wellbeing Mission podcast, hosted by me, Nathan Illman. This is the place where nurse and midwife wellbeing are at the top of the agenda. Each episode aims to help nurses and midwives around the world flourish through informative, inspiring and practical content and conversations. Jackie, welcome to Nurse Wellbeing Mission. Thank you for being here with me. Um, just tell us a little bit about who you are um, and a bit of context about where you've come from and what you're up to at the moment. Lovely, thank you. Yeah, I'm Jackie. I'm uh, At the moment, I'm Head of Nursing for St Richard's Hospital and Boiling Hospital, which is part of University Sussex Hospitals Trust. Uh, we merged about a year ago after being joined with them for a couple of years unofficially. Um, so that's been quite a, a turbulent and interesting time, um, getting to know new people, etc. Um, so I've been a nurse for about 30 years, uh, did my training in Chichester 
and loved it here. Um, pleased to say that they've just started a new school of nursing in Chichester, which is brilliant. So we'll start to get our own students coming through that, you know, more local, etc. So I started my career as a regular nurse, loved it, really enjoyed being with the patients, worked my way up to a band six deputy ward sister post and then a sister's post. And I did a couple of secondments along the way. So I've worked in practice development, which I absolutely adored, worked with student nurses, worked with the universities, teaching, uh, looking after them when they're on their placements, making sure they had a good experience, sorting out any issues they had along the way. Um, I also worked in recruitment for a while. We had an issue with um, trying to get nurses through the system. It was taking far too long. So they wanted a clinical nurse to go and, and really project manage that and try and get the nurses through the system quicker. So that was really, really interesting. And I learned a lot from that. Uh, so I've done lots of different things along the way. I've been in a leadership role now for quite a long time. I was a matron before this and um, had a lot of experience looking after wards, ward sisters, supporting them and, and trying to really keep them going because it's a really, really hard job being a ward sister. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy that coaching side of things and trying to help people come up with their own solutions uh, rather than me just telling them what to do because that's not right. And, you know, I'd like them to come up with their own solutions, think about the issues, talk to their staff. We have um, in the hospital, we have what we call a patient first approach. And that's about problem solving. And it's about looking at the root cause of what we're trying to deal with, rather than just jump into conclusions, because we all think we know the answer straight away. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's not always the answer. And if you involve your staff, and they're involved in it and they own the solution, they're more likely to get on with it and do it. And it's more likely to be sustainable. So that's kind of how I go about what I do every day. Uh, at the moment, my job is really trying to help nurses and leaders through what is really such a difficult time and has been, hasn't it, really, for the last couple of years with COVID yeah. and everything. So a lot of my job is supporting staff um, and trying to help them to support their staff in turn because you know we all know don't we if the nurses aren't happy they don't give good care and so trying to keep them happy and motivated that's a big part of my job now such an important part of the role isn't it in the current sort of healthcare context yeah yeah and I, I think there are so many people that feel a bit burnt out now and really tired and exhausted and we've got a lot of shortages of nurses you know like every other hospital has in the country and trying to keep people going in those circumstances is really hard because they they are exhausted and we're wanting more and more out of them every day we want them to do more hours because we need to fill the shifts and and the patients are, are really sick nowadays you know patients don't get past A&E do they anymore unless they're really really sick so the yeah. acuity rewards is very very high um so that that's really tough on the nurses at the moment that was actually a, a point that i was going to start off this conversation really a question to you was going to be to ask you sort of where do you feel your nurses are at in your organization i guess you've kind of just answered that i i had a, a personal sort of family experience recently which was it was really sad but one in which i have 
because I, you know, I, I sort of understand what's going on with nurses because of this work that I'm doing. It's unfortunately my grandma just had some really bad experiences in hospital recently. She was hospitalised for about seven weeks or something, and you know, whilst there were moments of lovely compassionate care, her overall experience was she felt a bit neglected at times, and, and at times actually felt nurses were mean to her and a bit nasty and. You know, everyone has their breaking point, right? When you're feeling burnt out and you're stressed. And I guess to me, I sort of understood it as being probably reflective of the the current situation that many nurses face. So you've obviously got a a challenging role, I imagine, because of the prevalence of all this uh, stress that is going on. And post-COVID, like you said, there's increased acuity. There's there's lots of different factors, isn't there, making the, the role harder on top of that, you know, the current difficulties with say difficulties unfairness i guess with pay and those those sorts of things i guess people listening to this are, are probably looking for some really practical you know hands-on kind of advice and guidance and, and i'd love to sort of steer us towards that so i'm really curious um you know on a just a day-to-day basis what's your sort of approach how do you go about supporting your, your junior staff or even your you know your peers well i think first of all you have to look after yourself right. you know I- if I'm going to work and I'm not good, I'm not going to be able to do that very well. So I have to really, really try to, I have this persona, I guess, that I I have at work, which might be different from the one I have at home. You know, no matter how stressful something might be at home, I have to leave it at home. I can't take that with me. And, you know, I try and compartmentalise that and leave it at home. And then I, I walk through the door and I'm, I'm Jackie, the head of nursing. I'm not Jackie, the wife, the mum, the person that's trying to train an eight-week-old puppy not to pee on the floor, you know, different person. And I know that if I'm not that person when I go into work, I can't give my best to everybody else. And I think that's what leaders have to do. They have to get themselves in that place, no matter how they do that. And, you know, I, I do that by looking at the positives and I think you know what can I do today that's going to make someone's life better whether that's a patient a member of staff you know a colleague anybody who I come into contact with maybe the person in the shop you know the person in the little shop in the hospital that might be having a bad day I might just stop and have a chat or if somebody's looking lost in the corridor or we're upset they're crying I'll stop and I'll talk to them and so I think, how, how can I make sure I can do that every day? And that's by me being a positive person. And I'm not saying that I'm like that all the time because I'm a human being, but I have a safe place. I have my office and I share an office with some matrons and we know that we go back there and that's our safe place and we can say whatever we want and we can offload to each other. But as soon as we walk back out there, we're that person again who's got to encourage everybody and be positive. And it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to do that. But if we don't do it, then other people won't do it. You know, and I think I said to you before about my analogy about an air hostess. You know, I feel, and I say this to nurses, you know, people look at you like if you're on a flight and there's turbulence, everyone looks at the air hostess and they look at them to think, oh, are they worried? Are they really stressed? Because if they're stressed, I'm going to be stressed. But if they're walking along with their trolley and offering people drinks, then people relax a bit more. And I say that to people, you know, everyone's looking at you for their lead, if you like. 
And if, if you look stressed and you're anxious and you think you can't cope and you think it's all too much, then they will as well. But does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, yeah so there's, there's something about what you said before about this, I guess, this professional identity and the kind of strength that comes with that and having to sort of live into that each day. And, and the reality of when you're in a leadership position of actually having to be the kind of rock, the foundation for others. And, and especially at times like this, like actually, that does call for kind of being unwavering in certain situations. It also sounds like, and I remember from our when we you and I spoke before, something that you do, and I'd love to sort of dig into this a bit more, is it sounds like you really make an effort to build connection with people. You just mentioned you know, even though you're the head of nursing, you know, like one of the most senior people, you will still walk down the corridor. And if someone's crying, stop and, you know, basically just give them the time of day, like see what's going on. So you you obviously go out of your way to build connection with people. You're not just this armoured up sort of tough <laughs> woman who just walks around kind of you know, robotically delivering orders or commands. You're There's yeah. this, this this identity, which is being strong and and being you know brave and courageous in the face of stress and everything and there's this you know for want of a better expression like a softer side which is like you know stopping and building connection with people and being a human being as well it does that sound about right yeah yeah it does and i think it's the compassion that you went into nursing for in the first place hopefully you don't lose that along the way and that's what i see you know, as much as everybody's stressed and short-staffed, I still see that compassion every day. And, you know, when you said about your, your gran, that makes me really sad because I think even though you're really stressed, you can still be kind. Um, and if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be at work. Yeah. So, you know, I, I come across people who just can't do it anymore. And, and I say to them, you, don't, you shouldn't be here. You've got to be able to be that compassionate person who can be kind, even when all hell is letting loose around you. You've still got to find time to make a cup of tea for a patient, to give them an extra blanket, to talk to their relatives. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be here because mm -hmm. you can't give enough of yourself in that situation. And, and I think it's about being genuine as well. You know, we can all you know, put on this compassionate air about us, but people can tell if it's genuine or not. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, you do have to go out of your way. You know, it'd be very easy for me to sit in my office all day and, and be on Teams meetings all day. You know, that would be very easy for me to do, but I'd hate it. Yeah. I know I'd be out there talking to people and, you know, I, I like nothing better than, you know, the other day, one of our wards was really, really short of nurses and, one of them phoned me up in tears saying she couldn't do it anymore. You know, one of the nurses was threatening to walk out. So I just went to the ward and I got my hands dirty and I washed a load of patients. And it was totally different by the time I left. And I'm not saying that was because of me and I'm wonderful, but it's just that role modelling of it will be all right. We can do it. Come on, let's pull together. We just have to prioritise. We won't be asked to do everything but let's make sure our patients get the care that they deserve and it will be all right. And it was all right. But, you know, I like nothing better than that. And going and speaking to patients, I go to a lot of complaint meetings as well, unfortunately, where, you know, relatives have had a tough time, their, their family member has. 
And, I, you know, I like to think that we might not be able to turn the clock back and make it better, but at least someone cares about what happened and that we try and make it better for the next person. So I've gone a bit off on a tangent then. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, that's great. You know, this is, um, this is, this is all relevant stuff. Um, something that I'd love to, I'm going to come back to the complaints thing. Cause I think that's, there's probably something really interesting to explore there about, um, other staff that have been involved in complaints and how you work with that to support them and maybe coach them. But um, I'd love to just sort of quickly reflect on what you just said about, well, you know, basically you're saying you lead by example, right? You, you, you've you got a, one of your staff is saying they're just overwhelmed, overloaded. They're really not coping. Yeah. And rather than just tell them what to do or re- reassure them or, you know, just give them some advice. You get down there and you you go back to basics and lead by example. And and you don't just say everything's going to be all right. You actually demonstrate that by your actions. You get involved with them and you show them. You, you know, it's um it's just such a um a great way to lead, isn't it? It's that people see, okay, if she's doing it like that, then then I can do it as well. I you can't lead on the phone. You can't yeah. lead you know, remotely, you have to be, and it sounds like a cliche, but you have to be with the people. They have to see you, you have to be visible because otherwise you're just some manager in an office somewhere who doesn't understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I don't be that person at all, even though a lot of my time gets taken up by that stuff, which is also very important. You know, there's a lot of strategic stuff and, developmental things that I get involved with which are really really important but they're not as important as patient care and making sure the nurses are all right so I quite often I'll cancel stuff you know much to the annoyance of my boss or whoever else right but I can justify that you know patients come first wow that's a such an incredible guiding principle or philosophy or value that I think a, a lot of leaders don't necessarily have that. People get swept up in the the, the bureaucracy and the administrative side of of uh, senior leadership, don't they? And they they sort of might forget where they came from and and actually what is most important. Yeah. It's easy to do that though because there's so much pressure. There's a lot of pressure to meet deadlines or go to meetings or you know do all these things. As I say, they are important, but there's so much pressure on leaders nowadays to do everything. Yeah. Sometimes you can't do everything. You know, some days in my diary, I have four meetings at the same time. I have to choose one. <laughs> and I choose the one that I think is going to make the most difference. But that's that's what it's like now in the NHS. And everybody's doing more than one person's job, unfortunately. Stretch mm. so thinly that you have to make decisions like that every day. I look at my diary and I just despair some days. I think, oh, my God, where's all this stuff come from? But it's all really – I don't go to a meeting if I don't think it's important. Yeah. But it's all important stuff. It, I guess what so I'm sort of drawing like a, a tangible like leadership lesson from this, you know, this is all about how can we support coach junior staff or your staff. I mean, it sounds like a real discernment and, and a willingness to say no to certain things and be boundaried around your time in order to do those activities that you know are going to help the other staff, are going to help those teams and um, that are on the ground doing the actual clinical work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to be you have to be strong and you have to say no to stuff. And mm-hmm. if I think it's something that's a complete waste of time, 
and energy, I'll say so. I'll say, I'm sorry, but that is not worth my time. I've got more important stuff to be doing. And I'll yeah. say it. And, you know, I, I get myself into trouble sometimes, but I think that it's the right thing to do. I'm not going to sit in some meeting that's a waste of time when I know there are people out there that I need to support or coach or, and, you know, you can't go and work on the board every day. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, and I could do that every day because every day they're short staffed. I could go and work clinically all the time, but then I wouldn't be doing my role as well. So there's a balance, isn't there, to be had around, you know, how important is it? And that day it was really important, really important. And I could not have not done it. Mm-hmm. It just pulled me to, <laughs> my heart was just pulled to the ward and those nurses and the patients. And actually we had a really good morning. We had a really good time. We had a bit of laugh, a bit of banter with the patients. And actually it turned into a quite a nice morning in the end. But it could have been very different. You know, if, if, those, if that nurse had walked out, it would have made it even worse. Um, the, the deputy sister that was on that day that was in tears on the phone, if it had gone differently, she may have lost all her confidence. Mm. She thought, I'm rubbish, I'm a rubbish leader because I couldn't cope with it. Um, so it, it has a lot of knock-on effects. Not, not acting has effects, doesn't it, on other people and their ability to lead, I think. Yeah, 100%. I think it be it can be quite insidious as well. Like if over time, it might not be an immediate <clears throat> the person leaves the role or something, but because of that erosion of their confidence and their self-esteem. And, yeah. and then, of course, that will then affect the way they are interacting with their team. And, you know, it's just, it just sort of spirals then, doesn't it, over time? Yeah. So yeah. over the course of several months, it's... So, yeah, the, the sort of choice you took in that moment was... I mean, it has just such a massive impact, doesn't it? Um, but it sounds like it's that's not a one-off for you. Like that's a guiding principle of yours. Which, yes, you can't do that every day, but you're quite discerning about when to do it. And you've got a yeah. bit of a. You said I was following my heart. I love that. You know, I'm a big believer on sort of following kind of physical, like into gut feelings and following yeah. my heart. You know, I think there really is something to be said about that. Yeah, and if you do that, you don't normally go wrong. It's normally the right thing to do. And, you know, you, you have to do that in nursing. That's part of being a nurse, isn't it? How, your gut instincts take you a long way in nursing. You know when a patient's not well, even though their orbs are okay and everything else is fine. You know in your gut there's something wrong with that patient. And, you know, that takes you a long way in nursing. It, it takes you to the respect that you gain with your medical colleagues. You know, if you can articulate that gut feeling, and say, look, I know their orbs are okay. I know that everything else looks all right, but I know there's something not right with this patient because blah, 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 whatever it is. And then they then respect your opinion as a senior nurse. And next time you ask them to come and see a patient, they go, yeah, she knew what she was talking about. I better go. <laughs> Great. So something I'd like to uh, sort of turn us towards now is, well, you mentioned previously about uh, some of those complaints meetings that you have to go to. Mm. So I'm trying to sort of formulate what I, what I want to ask you. I guess what I want, what I want to get at is every every leader at some stage is going to be working with staff who, for one reason or another, it could be because they're burnt out. It could just be they've developed a, an unhelpful um, behavior pattern. They've learned it from somewhere else. They, 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 they might be 
difficult to manage in some way um or something you know they've done something wrong they've made a mistake or they made an error or something what is your approach to working with people like that or supporting the people who support those people if you see what i mean well generally i would say people they don't come to work to do a bad job yeah they come to work to do a good job um i think some of it goes back to what i said before about people that can't leave stuff away from work and that they are so unhappy or burnt out that they don't have capacity to do that anymore and my philosophy is always to be honest um, if if I'm come, if I'm working with somebody who's not performing in whatever way, whether it's their attitude or their skills, I will tell them, but I'll do it in a compassionate way. So whenever I start to manage somebody, if I take on a new team member or a new team, I always start off right at the beginning and I say to them, "Look, you will get a hundred percent support from me. I expect the same from you." And I expect us to have a really honest relationship. So if I feel that things aren't going well, I will come and tell you. So right at the beginning, they know that they're going to get that level of challenge from me if, if, if things aren't going well. And it makes that conversation so much easier because if you do have in, end up in that situation and you go back to that person and say, do you remember when you first started and we had that conversation about... Mm-hmm. If, right I was going to come talk to you well unfortunately we need to have that conversation and it makes it so much easier because you're preparing the ground so not you know I can do that with the people that I manage but there obviously there's a lot more people than that that I come into contact with but I try and use the same approach and I, I would try I would sit down with that person and try and understand what's going on for them you know is it something that can be changed is it a circumstance that's making them act that way or and usually it's whether they've got any insight or not yeah if you have insight into what they're doing you're onto a winner because you can help them if they have no insight it's really really hard yeah so it's trying to get that person to see to hold a mirror up to that person to say this is the way you're coming across this is what you're doing some people can never get that yeah. And stop, unfortunately, going going down a formal route with them because that is the only way you can do it. But I try and avoid that at all costs because most people do know. Most people do have insight and then you can help them because they didn't start off like that. Something's happened. Um, and generally, if people make a mistake, it is a mistake. Most nurses don't do things, you know, on purpose. They don't go in to give the wrong dose of something to somebody or... You know, they do it because the human factor stuff, because they're distracted, because they're busy, because they're trying to do 10 things at once, because they're thinking about how on earth am I going to staff tonight? How am I going to staff tomorrow? You know, all that stuff's in their head and it takes a split second. And for all the holes in the cheese to line up, for a mistake to happen. So I, if a mistake does happen, so for example, a few, a few weeks ago, um, one of the nurses gave... Uh, a large dose of a sedative drug and um, the patient was luckily okay but it could have been disastrous yeah so what what we've started to do now instead of doing root cause analysis and reports and things into incidents which they're all right in their own way but they don't really help the people that made the mistake 
because someone else is writing it. And also, you know, we find every time we write a report, it's the same old stuff coming out. It's about communication or, you know, other, you know, it's the same things are coming out all the time. So we're not really changing stuff. So we've started now with an approach that we call like an after action review. So if there's an incident, a serious incident, where a patient's been harmed or it's a near miss and they've had potential to cause a lot of harm, what we do now is we get all the people together that were involved and we meet with them quite soon afterwards and we we talk about what happened. So not only do we get to the crux of what happened and what we've learned from it, but we're debriefing them at the same time. So it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And we had... Um, with this particular incident, we had a, a very junior nurse, a very junior doctor. Um, we had at the meeting, uh, we had myself, the ward sister, deputy sister that was there. We had our chief of medicine there, uh, someone from pharmacy. Um, and that was it. So try and keep it quite small, but actually getting them to talk about what led up to that incident and what happened and really understand it was really powerful. And then we just use that in our, uh, as an incident report. We don't waste our time writing reams and reams of paper because you come to the same conclusion. In fact, you come to a better conclusion by doing this. Yeah. The, the nurse, the junior nurse that made the mistake after the incident went off sick with stress. And um, we, we set the meeting up and she was still off sick. So I said to the waters, you must make her come if you can, because... If you don't, she put, it's going to be worse for her because she needs to talk about it. And she came, and she came straight back to work. Wow. And she was like, oh, my God. You know, I, we all said at the meeting, we've all made mistakes. We've all yeah. done these things. We're all fallible. But the important thing is that you learn and you get back out there and you teach your colleagues as well so that they don't do it as well. So that kind of approach, I think, is just really, really powerful and you know, the, the uh, junior doctor, she wouldn't say boo to a goose, this poor young woman. Um, and her confidence was just, she'd made such a mistake and she didn't, she didn't understand why she'd made it. None of us could understand why they did what they did. There was no logical reason for it. It was just, a, you know, a load of circumstances that came together. That answer what you are asking me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does. I love that. I mean, I was I was hoping that we'd get onto this because I think from conversations I have, and you know, I, I do a lot of this work around self-compassion and clinical errors are something that all nurses are gonna there's gonna be some mistake in your career, isn't there? Whether it's when you're training or later on. And and um, th- you know, this is shown by the research literature as well, but also sort of anecdotally from talking to people, is the moment after. Uh, some sort of clinical error, mistake, medication error, whatever it is, patient safety incident, the, the the immediate aftermath is crucial, vital for that person, their psychological well-being later on. I spoke to one nurse several months ago who experienced nurse, you know, she's been working 25 years or something, told me that a mistake she made when she'd just come out of her training, where she felt it was completely accusatory and there was blame and it was all about finger pointing, um, the, the, she's talked about the initial contact she had with her, whoever was kind of supervising her, ment- mentoring her. It, there was no compassion, no empathy, no trying to understand it. It stayed with her for her whole career. 
this thing it was this my fault and it she it could never let it go because it felt like it was her even though like you just said there's always a series of events there's it's never one person or very rarely one person involved in something so i love that it really sounds like you come from the perspective of people are inherently good and it's it's a set of circumstances a bigger context that leads to someone's someone either making a mistake or their behavior being you know whatever it is something that's that's offended a patient or um something that needs some kind of um, discussion and it's like you said it's more effective in terms of your actual the data that you get to to prevent things happening but you also you help prevent like unnecessary distress for the person who's done it and every the whole team will feel good about that as well it makes i suppose it it probably creates a culture in which people actually feel it's okay to acknowledge or, or be candid when they've made a mistake as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you want people to be honest and hold their hands up to make a mistake, you've got to treat them well when they yeah. do it. Because otherwise people aren't, you know, that's a human instinct, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm going to get into trouble. So I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. And that be detrimental to that patient because if you don't tell someone, then you can't remedy whatever it is that you've done. So, yeah, absolutely. If you want an open and honest culture in healthcare, you you have to create an environment where people feel safe to tell you. And, you know, yeah, it's different if they've done something maliciously. Obviously, that's different, different and that's a criminal act. But that's very small, isn't it, in terms of, you know, the, the percentages of statistics are, are tiny for those sort of people. Most, most people do not do that maliciously. They do it because they've genuinely made a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, I think that approach in complaints is the same. If, if I have a complaint that comes in, a lot of them we deal with by writing a response back, but some we do meet with the relatives or the patient. And um, most, most meetings that I've been to are because somebody's been bereaved and we haven't dealt with it very well. Right. Or we have communicated as a team to that family member, um, but there's usually bereavement involved in it somewhere. And these people, you know, I, I met with somebody a little while ago, and their, their mum died two years ago, and they still can't move on because they've got all these questions in their yeah. head about what happened. So in those circumstances, my main goal is to help that person move through the bereavement stages and get on with their life because they're stuck, because they're so angry or they're so upset, they can't move on. So I always say to them at the beginning, you know, my aim for you is to help you, is to help you to come to terms with what happened and to move on from it. I mean, we don't always do that. (laughs) You know, some people can't, but generally, generally we do. And people thank us at the end usually because we listen and we listen with compassion and like we care about what happened. It's not just a tick box exercise for me, you know, meeting with somebody because I have to, it's because I genuinely want to help them. But, and, and we tend to protect our, our ward sisters and our medics quite a lot though. Uh, so I will meet with complainants with perhaps the chief of medicine. And I don't know how I feel about that because I feel that the people involved should be there, but often the people are so angry that it would not work. So yeah. I get a bit torn in those situations because I'd like them to learn how to handle the situation. Yeah. 
but they can't because if they're there, it makes it different dynamically with the family. So it's really, really difficult that for me. Because I, I know when I started doing complaint meeting, I hated them. I absolutely dreaded it. I used to get so nervous and think, oh, what if I make it worse? You know. Mm. But over time, I've learned the right things to say and I've learned the right things not to say and when to shut up, when to just listen and all that sort of stuff. But yes. you learn by trial and error, unfortunately. And I really wish that there was some way, I mean, you can do simulations and all the rest of it, but it's not the same as being in the real situation, is it? I, I can't think of a way of doing it, which really frustrates me. <laughs> we, we, we would all love the fast route, wouldn't we? Like, I don't know if you've seen yeah. the, the film The Matrix where they like download like how to speak a language in a few seconds or download how to do karate or something, you know, yeah. it'd be easy. If it, but unfortunately, life's not like that, is it? And we do have to fumble our way through sometimes. Yeah. I guess, I guess in, a, in a as prepared as we can be, gosh, yeah. I mean, uh, when I think back to some... <laughs> some tricky situations I've tried, you know, managing in the past, like when I was a bit more junior, you know, it makes you cringe a bit. <laughs> but yeah, but you, you, yeah, you get through it, and you have to have a willingness to go back and try again and get feedback. And yeah, you have and, to get, of course, even even if you've really mucked it up. I mean, the first complaint meeting I did, I cried. I mean, how ridiculous! This poor lady was in front of me looking for help and support, and I cried because we'd done such a terrible job with her husband. And I, I couldn't help myself. It was awful. And the person I was doing it with thought I had a really bad cold. They said to me afterwards, are you all right? I said, no, I'm not. I'm really upset. Yeah. No, you don't need that, do you? You, don't, you know, if you're an upset relative, you don't need somebody sitting in front of you crying about it. And that makes, as you say, it makes me cringe when I think about it now. I think it's really helpful you sharing that though, because I think people listening, you know, it, it shows that you're not perfect and, you know, you haven't got to where you've got to by just, no, you know, just like bypassing the just really tricky and embarrassing or just, yeah, hard experiences. Like you've had to go through that to get to where you are. Well, I'm not perfect at all. Yeah. And I love you every single day from somebody. And I always tell them as well, I say, you've taught me something today. You know, I didn't know that or I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way. I always like to try and give people that feedback because otherwise you're just giving people bad feedback all the time. You know, I like people to hear when they've done a great job. And if someone tells me, oh, so-and-so did a really good job, I say, go and tell them. Go and tell them. Let them yeah. know that they've done a really good job because they need to hear it. Yeah. Especially and, and And people aren't very good at taking compliments, are they? You know, they'll get, oh, no, it's just what I do. Or what, and I say, no, it's not. You did go the extra mile. You did a really good job. You should be really proud. And they go away all like, like I don't know what the word is, just really full of confidence, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm on board with that. I think it's very easy to sort of not do that. You know, like in your head almost, oh, that was great. Oh, that person did a good job. And to not really just take a moment and just really be very specific about what they did and perhaps why as well. And just, it sounds like you really, you sort of, you coach people to receive it, right? Like, you know, let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't just brush it off. Yeah. Because um, people can just deflect it, can't they? And then it's almost as if it wasn't said. But yeah, yeah, if you help people to really receive it, it really does make a difference. Absolutely. Because we're very quick, aren't we, to, to deflect that sort of stuff because we find it a bit embarrassing, I guess. Yeah. I, well, you know, I do mean it. I really mean it. You need to 
accept it for what it is. It's not just me saying it. I really do think you did a great job. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, with the time we have left, let's talk about coaching because you've talked about, we've sort of briefly touched upon it. I mean, you have been talking about some ways that you coach people anyway, but let's be a bit more specific about it. What does coaching mean to you? Yeah, let's just start with that question, actually. Let's just leave it nice and open. What does it mean to you? Well, I guess it means helping people to come to a solution themselves. And I, I've had to learn over the years how to coach because I'm, I'm a, a, an activist by nature. So I'll jump right in there and go, you need to do this. This is what I would do. I've done this and it worked, blah, blah, blah. So I've had to learn over the years to, to shut up, to sit there and say, okay, so tell me what the problem is. And so get them to explain what that problem is. Keep sort of reflecting back with them so they can see that you're listening to what they're saying and you're actually listening. You're not just thinking, oh, my God, I've got to go to another meeting in a minute. And so reflecting it back to them saying, so, okay, so you're telling me that this is your problem then. So what have you thought about so far to try and deal with it? Get them to talk again. So I try and say very, very little. That's so, when they go, but but aren't you just going to tell me what to do? <laughs> but they say, surely you know what to do. Yeah. I, say, well, I might know what to do in some circumstances, but not all circumstances. I don't know everything. So I'm going to help you to, to come to some sort of conclusion. So get them to talk about what they've thought about doing already. So what have you done so far? Well, I've done this. I've done that. Okay. So how did it go? Did it work? Did you get a good outcome from it? Yes or no. And then you start talking about it a bit more. Um, and I like to get people to go away and try things. So, you know, not to come to an absolute solution that is, is that's the only way of going about it. So I say, well, if you want to go and try it, try it. As long as you're not going to kill anybody, go mm. and try it. So if you want to try a new process, if you want to try a new way of inducting your staff, if you want to try a new way of doing the observation round, whatever it is, Go and trial it. Trial it for a day. You don't need to trial it for 10 months like we used to do in the NHS. You know, go and trial it for a day. You'll know after a day if it's going to work or not. And then we'll meet up again tomorrow and you can tell me how it went. And then just kind of step by step, really. Okay, all right, it didn't work. So what else could you do then? And, and often coaching, it feels like they want you to take the problem away from them. Yeah. So you can't do that as a leader because you end up saturated. Mm -hmm. And I, I've made that mistake in the past where I've, I've been like a sponge and taken everybody's problems on. And because I felt that was the right thing to do because it makes them feel better. Yeah. But learning anything, because I take the problem away, try and deal with it, often maybe do, maybe don't, but they're not learning. They're not learning how to deal with it next time. So actually you're creating a rod for your own back. And you're not developing leaders for the future. And you become saturated and overwhelmed. So you can't do that. You have to get people to do it themselves and to develop those leaders. You know, if it's a ward sister, you're developing the next matron that's going to come along that someone one day is going to go to them and ask them the same problem. So, you know, try, trying to get them to learn and think and not just take the easy route you know, you know, I say to people, they usually know what the right answer is, but usually the right answer is more difficult. Yeah. And I, I say to them that, you know, doing the right thing is usually the harder route. 
everyone can do the easy thing, but it's not always the right thing. For example, we had um, some deputy sister interviews once and the ward sister, they were all internal and one person had been doing the job longer than the other. She felt obliged that this person felt that they were going to get the job. Um, So she spoke to me about it afterwards and I said, well, what is the right thing? Who is the right person for this job? Is it the one that thinks she's going to get it because she's been there longer? Or is there someone else that you think is going to do a better job? And she said, actually, yeah, there is. I said, but that's the person you have to choose. Mm-hmm. And you have to take the hard route. And if there's flack that comes with it, that's fine. But you can't just do the easy thing because it won't work in the end. So, you know, I think it's about that as well. You know, trying to help people to be brave, to make decisions, to not always do what's the easiest thing. I guess. I think one of the great things about coaching people rather than giving advice, because I guess that's the different, that's the alternative, isn't it? Is falling into the advice trap. Someone comes to you with a problem and they're looking for advice and you just give it. Like you said, it piles up. There's a couple of things with that. And I guess there's some direct ways in which actually contributes to people's well-being is that we're giving people a sense of mastery and autonomy, aren't we? By enabling them And it's empowering people. And when we feel empowered and we feel like we've come up with the answers and we've gone off and tried a new system or process or whatever it is, we feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And and then that, if you're doing that with a few different people in the team, then like you said, it's a skill set that they can pass on to others. And it's, I suppose it's, it's a sort of, it's a communication style, which can be embedded within to practice, isn't it? It doesn't, I think, my in my experience people get a bit put off by these things like they see them perhaps as soft skills or things like coaching because they think well i haven't got the time to do that mm-hmm. but actually the amount of extra time it might take to ask someone to think about it for themselves is not that much longer in reality mm-hmm. i don't know what's your experience of that in the long run it isn't i think yeah. in the moment, it's a lot easier just to tell them the answer yes yeah, yeah. So, but i think when you invest that time at the beginning in the long run, you save yourself time because as time goes on, they won't keep coming to you with these problems. They'll be thinking about them yourself, themselves. They'll be developing themselves. So, yes, in the moment, it's quicker to just tell them, but not in the long run. So I, I really believe it's worth investing that time mm-hmm. at that time to help to coach them to learn a new way of thinking because we're programmed, I think, to look for the easy answer and what we're trying to do, as you say, is empower those people to go away and, and think about it for themselves, to go away and talk to their team and say, look, guys, we've got this issue. What can we do about it as a team? Because they'll, they'll own it, they'll embed it, and it'll be sustainable. If I tell them the answer, they go and try it, and it won't just be sustainable. In a month's time, the problem will still be there. Yeah. Because they won't own it. Yeah, that's right. There's that ownership component that's really important, isn't there? And also, you're right, you know, it's their health and well-being as well because it's the difference between them feeling a success or a failure. You know, if they've gone away and they've solved it, they feel like a success. Yeah. If they had to be told, then they feel, oh, I should have known that, I should, I'm, I'm a failure. And they're not, but that's how they feel. Yeah, I was told to do this, and then there's all the self-judgment, isn't there? Like, I can't, I can't do this thing right, I was told to do it, and that would have... That, you know, things would have gone well, should have gone well if I'd done this, just only done this thing. Yeah, yeah. It is a fine line, though, to be honest. Because I mean, there are some times when you, 
if it's really, really urgent or really, really uh, important as in patient safety stuff, then sometimes you do have to do that. Sometimes you do have to take the lead and go, actually, we're going to do it this way. But I try really hard not to do that unless I'm really pushed into it. So managing that impulse, because there is, we all have that impulse, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. An impulse to provide the advice or give the quick quick answer to something. Particularly um, that way inclined personality-wise, like I am. You know, I, I'm one of these people that hates loose ends, can't bear it. <laughs> you know, it, I like to have a problem tied up, sorted out, done and dusted. So this way of doing stuff for me feels quite uncomfortable sometimes. But I have to just bear with it and let it go and... Because I know it's the right way to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm really seeing that as a theme with, with everything that you're talking about, Jackie. Is even though sometimes things are difficult or uncomfortable, actually, if it's the right thing, often I suppose doing the right thing is is met with some sort of discomfort, isn't it? Whether it's just like anxiety about something or yeah, uncertainty. There are difficult emotions that we have to kind of press like acknowledge and press through to get to the other side which is the right thing and that ultimately yeah. will make us feel better about ourselves and contribute to the team and patient outcomes and all the rest of it absolutely and, and if if you if you've got a team that pull together and they solve problems together that's that's a great team usually they they work well together it's good teamwork it's good communication they they give good care to their patients at the end of the day because they they have that sense of community about them you know, this is our ward. We're going to make it the best ward that it can be. And this is how we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's obvious, isn't it, that they're going to be giving really good care because they've got that sense of ownership and pride in where they work. And I love to see that. I love to go onto a ward and see, you know, the teamwork and the banter with the patients and, you know, having a bit of a laugh together. You know, I say to them, you know, you don't come to work to be miserable. Patients don't want to see you miserable. They want to see you happy because otherwise it makes them feel even worse than they already do. You know, have a laugh and a joke with them. You know, obviously be professional, but, yeah. you know, have fun at work. There's nothing wrong with having fun at work. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it can all get very serious, can't it? And I guess, you know, you talked about that idea of the professional identity. It's like the professional identity, yes, Maybe there's some stoicism, which a good a good dose of that can be helpful for all the stress. But actually, we can bring a, a sort of that more human, that humor, fun side of us as well, right? Because otherwise, how do we connect with people? Like at the end of the day, we're working in healthcare, we're working with other human beings, mm-hmm. and we connect through yes, things like empathy, compassion, but like humor and fun. Yeah, yeah, and we spend a lot of time with the people we work with. You know, we spend more time at work than we do at home sometimes. Mm. So. You know, you've got to be able to enjoy it. You've got to hopefully look forward to going to work. You know, I, I can count on one hand the, the amount of days that I haven't wanted to go to work. And I'm not some sort of, I don't know, I, I'm not an over-optimistic person, although I am optimistic. But I always think, well, I'm going to do something good today. Even if I've got something horrible to do, well, hopefully something good will come out of it. But, you know, I say to people, you spend a lot of time here enjoy it have fun you know get to colleagues get you know make sure you organize some nights out and some social things because they're really important yeah you know years ago when before everyone got so serious we used to dress up on christmas day 
and wear funny hats and you know it's a bit frowned upon nowadays and I, I such a shame you know I think god let let the patients have a lot you know obviously if there's something going on on the ward that's very serious if there's someone dying or whatever then obviously you wouldn't wear those things but you know let let people have a laugh and a joke yeah 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 that, that's I love that well it's a, it's a shame that that doesn't happen but I think it does under the radar yeah I, yeah they're not around. They do do it. I hope. I hope they do. <laughs> All right. Look, I um I don't want to go too much longer because um obviously it's both of our evening and we both have leisure time. You've you've got a puppy to go and attend uh, to probably. I love last question for you. There's going to be some aspiring nurse leaders listening to this and people who are already in leadership positions. We talked about all the things that you do and that you are kind of you you see as sort of I suppose positive practices to support teams and individuals what are a few like absolute no-nos that you would advise people against things that maybe things you've seen recently or in the past that they can be serious or funny perhaps um, things not to say or things not to do with your junior staff oh my goodness uh gosh i think a serious one would be not to let anything go by you know not to permit something you don't agree with okay because you do it once people think it's okay yep so you know what you permit you promote and you know that is a really powerful thing to tell leaders you know don't walk past if you go onto a ward and a patient's hanging out the bed don't walk past it and go and get a nurse to deal with it deal with it yourself if you walk past a nurse who is wearing false nails and massive earrings don't go and tell the sister to tell them to take them off you tell them you say that's not uniform you know that sort of thing I think the the worst thing you can do is to permit something like that as a leader because it undermines you as a leader as well mm. um I can't think of a funny one <laughs> I know, but that's right that's um <laughs> I love that one that's that's so that's great yeah and it's again it's hard isn't it in those moments I think sometimes it just feels easier like, oh someone else can deal with that but Again, it's just such a valuable principle, I think, to have is, again, leading by example, isn't it? Yeah. I'm have a difficult conversation. I would say don't be frightened to be honest with people. Yeah. As long as you say it in the right way, as long as you're compassionate and caring, you can say anything to anybody. So don't be frightened to tell someone when you're not happy with what they're doing or, or they've done something wrong. Just be brave and... And go for it because actually you're going to be doing them a favour in the long run, and you're patients a favour. Yeah, I've. I mean, I won't go into this now. It's a bit of a long story, but I've got such a, a great story about this. How well I, I could. If I heard this from someone else, uh, uh, someone that I sort of read read her work and stuff. But that clear is kind, and it's kind of guessing at what you said, and it's. Uh, this experience of like yeah like euphemisms being used around death and stuff like that and they're just being just not really being clear about things and um i'm actually going to be i'm going to be either probably doing a podcast episode specifically about having difficult conversations um and and doing some training around that because it is a skill set i think it it's um I, t- I totally agree with what you're saying you know you do just need to be clear and honest with people but i think people struggle to know what to say they think they might think that being clear is 
is actually not being kind and it's it's being yeah. too direct about things but actually that's all we all really want that don't we like it's yeah. hard to hear something sometimes but at least when the person is there's not loads of unnecessary words used in a sentence and they're just they deliver yeah. in a way that's really clear about what you've done wrong you know okay that's it and i know that that person feels that way and i need to do something about it yeah absolutely there's no point beating around the bush You've just got to say it. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, so, thank you so much for your time. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I knew I would. Um, I love talking about all this stuff. And it's it's been really great to get to know you a bit more and, and hear more about your leadership, which sounds amazing. I'm sure the people that work with you, uh, yeah, work with you in your hospital uh, really value your presence. So um, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Brilliant.